Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Welcome back to the SUFU podcast. We're here doing our FPMRS fellowship series. I'm here with Dr. Vic Nitti, who is the fellowship director at UCLA. Uh, so Dr. Nitti, tell us about your fellowship. Well, thanks, Rena. So uh, our fellowship at UCLA is uh, a combined fellowship where we take uh, both uh, urologists and gynecologists, and we try and keep it balanced. So at any given time, we have three or four urologists in the fellowship, as well as two gynecologists uh, training in the fellowship. Uh, for me, uh, it's a model that I started when uh, I was the director at NYU, and I think that's a really nice way to train fellows together if you have the resources uh, to do it. Great, and how many faculty are there at UCLA now? So there are six faculty that fellows will uh, spend time with on a regular basis uh, in FPMRS, FPMRS board certified faculty. And then we have two more FPMRS board certified faculty that fellows will spend some time with. They're at our, uh, at our ancillary facilities uh, in the Los Angeles area. And how's the fellowship structured? What's an average day for a fellow and what's the rotation schedule like? So what we have done, and we have just changed the fellowship as, as I've gotten there, I really wanted to make it more integrated. So what we've done is we have, uh, there are essentially five rotations, and all of the fellows do each of those five rotations. Now, one thing that's a little bit different is that when we have, uh, for example, a urology fellow, um, and there are pelvic medicine cases that may be in men, for example, artificial sphincters, um, major reconstructions in men, which we do, and I believe is part of our specialty, um, they're obviously going to participate in, in that. Um, our gynecology fellows are welcome to participate in those cases, but if they choose not to, then they can spend their time doing something else in female pelvic medicine instead of a artificial sphincter in a man. And what would you say the breakdown is in terms of female pelvic medicine, vaginal robotic surgery, neurourology, and then kind of male voiding dysfunction? So I think within female pelvic medicine, we're pretty balanced. I think the fellows get a good robotic and vaginal experience. Um, I think all of our surgeons do vaginal surgery. So it's not like somebody is exclusively dedicated to robotics, and those that do robotics also do vaginal surgery. So I think the robotic vaginal um, mix is very good. Um, the other thing that's very nice is all of the procedures that you can think of um, from various forms of hysterectomy to uh, hysteropexy uh, in some patients, and the various vaginal approaches as well as abdominal and minimally invasive. Um, all of our, at least somebody, there's at least one faculty member uh, doing, doing all of those things um, so that they're all covered, which I think is, is very good. I like the fact 
that our faculty comes from very different trainings, so that makes it's more diverse. I think there's also a good mix of neurourology since our division does all of the neurourology uh, in uh, at UCLA, and um, a good amount of male reconstructive um, as well. Although I don't think the fellowship gets burdened with that. Um, and I like to make sure that our fellows are well-trained in female pelvic medicine, but there's certainly adequate time to be exposed to uh, the various reconstructive procedures in men as well. That's great. Is there time for elective rotations or are there other rotations that they go, that the fellows go to scheduled rotations outside of the fellowship? So what we do is we have um, uh, a colorectal uh, experience and we've battled as to the best way to do this. So what we've done is we've designated certain days for that. And it is a, it's a structured amount of time and structured learning activities that the fellows will do in, you know, functional, uh, um, functional uh, fecal incontinence and, uh, and, and such, uh, diagnostic studies, uh, as well as surgical procedures. And some of our FPMRS faculty do those surgical procedures, and sometimes uh, we're doing them with the colorectal surgeons. But we have a really extensive um, diagnostic division, so they spend time with anal manometry, uh, ultrasound, um, uh, et cetera, and that's part of their fellowship. What we've done, uh, as far as research is concerned, it's a little bit different. Uh, depending if you're a urologist or if you are a gynecologist, then we try and structure our research programs to fit the needs of the of the fellows. Most of what has been done uh, has been clinical research, and I believe clinical research is best done having a little bit of time all the time as opposed to a block of time. Uh, so for most of our urology fellows, they will get approximately a day or a day and a half a week of protected research time. Our gynecology fellows, we have to follow the rules of the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and they are required to do minimum of one month blocks of research, and they need to do 12 of that, those in their three years. So we have to make sure they do that. That's a requirement for them to sit for their boards. In urology, the way we can deliver the scholarly activity is a little bit different. Of course, if somebody had a research project <clears throat> that required something different, um, then we would see if we can uh, tailor that towards them. Okay. Um, does that, I mean, having the gynecology fellow being gone for a month at a time, does that create any snafus or things that people get concerned about? No, <clears throat> no, it's all built into the schedule. And, you know, sometimes it can be, uh, depending on what that fellow's doing, it could be an entire year. Uh, it could be six months. So it is built into the schedule that there may not be an active uh, clinical fellow. For example, if we have six fellows in the program and there's five uh, rotations, then that sixth person is on a research block. And when we have that kind of flexibility, if we had urology residents that needed to take a month of block time because of a particular project that they were doing, we would certainly try to accommodate them. 
but I think most of the research that we have been doing is um, is 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 the kind of research that's best done, as I said, a little bit all the time. Okay, that's great. Um, and then, as far as the clinical experience or the outpatient experience for fellows, what's that like? So we have um, they they spend a good amount of time in clinic. Um, I would say they probably spend on each rotation. It's probably uh, let's say for a urology fellow, um, we'll say a busy clinical rotation. It'd be two days a week in the clinic, two days a week in the OR, and one day a week for research time. And although things may vary a little bit depending on the rotation, it sort of breaks down into that about 50% clinic, 50% OR. And then in the clinic, are they seeing their own patients or are they seeing patients with the attending of that service they're on or rotation they're on? So they would see the patients that come into the Center for Women's Pelvic Health at UCLA. Uh, they may be the first doctor to see the patients before an attending sees the patient. Um, we also have uh, a clinic at UCLA that is a um, um, that is really a, a resident fellow clinic. Um, and that is once a month. And then one of their rotations is at uh, the county hospital, and there they would see their own patients. Okay. Uh, and then um, do, what's their exposure like to urodynamics in the clinic? So we have um, uh, our urodynamics uh, right in our clinic uh, at the UCLA campus in Westwood. Um, and the fellows, uh, we actually have it well staffed, so the fellows will do and be available for um, particular uh, studies and make sure that they get a good urodynamics experience. Um, they don't have to be available for every study that's being done just as long as somebody is overseeing that study. Um, then in the county hospital, they are responsible for doing with the residents there uh, the urodynamics, and that's about, I think, a half a day a week that they will do them independently, be responsible for them with residents. Okay. And um, are there any call requirements for fellows? Uh, we don't have any sort of overnight first call. Um, what fellows, if a fellow's on a particular service and um, something gets, you know, a, a resident or chief resident can't handle it, um, then it'll, it'll go to the fellow. Um, they do, they are responsible for our service on the weekend. So every fifth weekend, um, a fellow will take weekend call round on all the patients um, Etc. But um, you know, generally speaking, they're not taking um, major kind of night call or anything like that. Okay. And where have your past fellows gone into practice? So what I, I've tried to do, and most of my past uh, fellows come from uh, NYU, where I was the program director before UCLA. Um, we, I, my philosophy has always been to train fellows. Um, to be well prepared to enter whatever practice they would like to, whatever kind of practice, 
and also well prepared to enter the academic world if they so choose, chose to. Um, most of the fellows that I've trained in the last seven or eight years have chosen academic paths. Um, not all, but most of them. Um, and they're spread out all over the country at uh, Stanford, Mayo Clinic, um, Mount Sinai in uh, Miami, uh, University of South Florida, um, University of Kentucky. Um, but a number of them have gone into private practice uh, uh, very successfully. So they, you know, my goal is to make sure that fellows have the training to do either. Some of them know very well what they want to do when they start, and some of them really aren't sure. Uh, and I don't think that they should be held back if they change their mind at any time, and they should be equipped to do, uh, to do either. That's a great philosophy. Uh, what do you think the biggest strength of the program is? I think diversity, um, and uh, it's it is a program that we are building, but I was given the opportunity to create a blueprint, and I like the idea of diversity in training so that one can learn from people in multiple disciplines who do things, what I like to say is always the right way, but perhaps a different way. And I think that's really important to get perspectives from people that have trained in different places and come from different disciplines, I think is really important. It has been extraordinarily beneficial to me uh, in, in my career. Um, I also think that uh, UCLA is just, it's a very supportive place for uh, residents and fellows. And I think that um, um, that's also kind of a, a, a nice added bonus. That's great. Is there anything that you're actively changing or foresee changing in the near future? I know obviously it's an evolving thing right now, but... Well, it has been evolving. I'll tell you what we've just changed, and I'll, I'll tell you what, what we have upcoming. Um, we just clinically merged our gynecology FPMRS faculty and our urology FPMRS faculty into a single clinical site, which is called the Center for Women's Pelvic Health. Uh, so now we are all together in the same place, uh, all of the faculty, all of the fellows, at least when they're at the Westwood campus. Um, we have changed the rotations uh, for this academic year to really maximize the fellows' educational experience. We went to great lengths to do that. Um, I think the missing piece hopefully will be in place in the next several months, and we are currently recruiting a uh, director of research for our, di our division, and that is a person that we expect will spend approximately half their time doing clinical work and half their time uh, doing research, um, and that person will likely be a translational scientist uh, or do translational work. Um, uh, however, uh, it could also be somebody who is uh, in the health sciences. So that's uh, to expand our research program for our division and then be able to expand the research experience for our fellows. Um, 
just to give them more things to do. And if they really want to think about doing translational research or health sciences research, depending on who our new director is, then uh, uh, they'll have the opportunity to do that. And we really hope that that person's in place uh, in the next few months. That's really exciting. Um, so lastly, uh, for people who've never been to LA, could you tell them a little bit about what it's like to live there? You know, it's really a great place to live. And you can imagine that, uh, you know, I am a New Yorker through and through. And to um, have moved uh, after being in one place for almost 25 years, um, you can imagine that um, I moved to a place and an environment that I, I, I really like. I, you know, I trained there as a fellow many years ago, uh, but there's lots to do in L.A., um, there's lots to do on the UCLA campus. It is a very, it's a real university campus and the medical center sits right on the campus. Um, that's a little bit different for me and I really, I love that. The hospital is right on the campus. Um, you know, the obvious thing and, and you can't talk about Los Angeles without talking about the weather. Um, and after living almost my entire life in the Northeast, uh, the weather is it is really, it's, a, it's really nice. But I find LA to be a really nice, comfortable, and for me, easy place to live. Well, great. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and, and thank you for doing this. I think it's, a, it's really a great idea. And, uh, you know, we have so many fellowships that are, you know, the diversity amongst fellowships is, is there. And I always tell candidates, it's really important to find the fellowship that fits what you're looking for, because there are some differences and they're all great. It just, you know, for many people, it just depends on what they're looking for. So this series, I think, is going to be really enlightening for uh, for all of the uh, residents and potential fellows listening. So congratulations on a, on a great idea. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at Zufu.org, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.zufu.org.com.